Coming to you from top secret field offices worldwide, these brave men and women fight a battle for truth, justice, and good clean data. These agents of change make up the Bureau of Records, Objects, and Standards. They are the Data Bros. This is Data Bros, a comic industry podcast talking about comics, comic data, comic book retail, and running a modern comic shop. I'm your host, Brian, and with me, as always, are Django and Jeff. Fellas, how's it going? I'm not Jeff. Hey, buddies. <laughs> I'm Jeff. I'm not Django. <laughs> I like that. I like that. It's a logic you know, puzzle gonna, to start the data know, podcast. So, so, Jeff, one of your many podcasts you have is a... Uh, is called Ted Lasso's. It's about Ted mm -hmm. Lasso. Ted Lasso. You know what? You should convert that now into a The Bear podcast. Oh, oh be so good! That's Ted Lasso that bears. Yeah, you just listen I mean, to our our individual panic attacks while we watch different episodes. Uh, this 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 podcast um, exists a little bit more as one of those, you know, when you're playing pool and there's like those plastic things that are like fixed into the table, you have to shoot yeah. around and stuff. This podcast and the perfectly acceptable podcast are like those in my life. And the existence of those does decrease the number of like <laughs> fluid, just other shots. You can have. I can do. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, actively recording three podcasts these days. Uh, can't can't do another one. The right reason now. I bring up uh, the the last bros is because today we are going to invert the inverted pyramid. Yeah. Right? So yeah. So we're gonna do everything in reverse order. You guys are really used to data broification first, and then industry yammer, and then shop top. Today we're flipping everything on the head, fl just flipping it. So we're gonna start with shop top. Shop talk, I love shop it. Talk, shop talk, walking shop and talk. dropping all our money at the counter together. Well, I, that's good. I need to record that. That's, oh, that's you just, perfect. You are. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. I recorded it, guys. So let's talk about something you guys have discussed in the past. I can't remember if we've talked about it here or offline because time is a, a circle and I never remember anything. You've talked to me about something called the back issue time machine. What is what yeah. is the back issue time machine? Yeah. So in our point of sale system, Comic Shop Assistant, we built a page that lets you look at back issues by release date. So you can bring up, well, what, what we did is we brought up a list of all the back issues, all the old comics that were released in January of 1991. So fun. And then we were able to go through our inventory and gather all the issues that were released in January 1991 and put them on a spinner rack that we bought specifically for this purpose. Spinner so rack. the idea being like kind of a, a nostalgia throwback. That's kind of been a focus of ours in the last month or two, trying to figure out what our 2024 marketing is going to be. We have a handful of things that are sort of nostalgia based. And yeah, so this is one kind of, kind of kicked off by one of our employees pointing out that we needed to be ordering more facsimile editions and i was mm -hmm. like well we order enough for the people that want them and for like really clear popular ones like first appearances or whatever i'll order a couple and then 
you know, obviously so much of my life ordering comics is based on graphic novels and the new comics that have come out each week. I just would sort of stop thinking about those, but we were selling out of all of them. So at the behest of one of my employees, we started ordering between eight and 10 copies of any facsimile shelf for, or for the shelf, facsimile copies for the shelf. Um, And we put them on a spinner and we're giving them kind of an extra space between each one so you can see the full cover. But I was hearing tons of positive feedback from people about it, just like talking about mm-hmm. it. And then after I wanted to like investigate the sales, we were selling like two or three times as many facsimile editions wow. with that spinner as we were. Um, and it has that really kind of fun, nostalgic thing of people come in and just kind of spin it to see, oh, like here's a new one. I remember buying that or whatever. Based on the success of that and then the Texas trip that Django and I saw, uh, yeah, what we shop to, was it? Uh, Who was doing... It was Brent Irwin's shop. Yeah, uh, Brent. Um, is it Madness? Is that right? No, Collected Comics and Games. Yeah, maybe was my that... favorite shop we went to on that tour. Uh, was, yeah. was that the one with the big, huge uh, file cabinets that were all like yeah. vinyl decorated? Yeah. That was so beautiful. Same one. They've got, they've got such a nice gorgeous. way of doing their store. Yeah, His signage yeah, is to... incredible and the way that he repurposes old product and posters and art to make the store look better is, is really incredible. But he did a very similar thing. So when we came away from that, Django had been pretty excited about it. And with many, many things in our store, uh, we really empower our employees to kind of find projects or small things that can be their baby to upkeep and do. This back issue time machine has very much been Django's baby for the last yeah. you know three or so weeks since we started it. Yeah, so it's it. I mean, it's it's basically just come come grab some of these old uh, '90s Batman comics at cover price. We're charging cover price for them. They're not particularly valuable comics. We do put a few more expensive copies in in there but if if it's not in a bag and a board it's cover price so you can grab you know some let's see 1991 that's like prime like bray foggle just after bray foggle was doing mm-hmm. Detective comics um it's got some x-men's that you would recognize like it's it's super fun to throw that stuff on the shelf and see people who are exactly my age come in and have exactly the same feeling i do when i go through a collection that has those things yeah yeah uh, so it's, it's been super fun it's been very fun but as with many projects like this uh the upkeep can be a thing so Django, right. how how is it being upkept so our um have we passed that on to our employees are they upkeeping it is it being changed out weekly is it a month yeah so i've passed it on to eli who manages our our back issue stuff he's going to grab a year's worth of stuff at a time and then sub sort it by month so every month we'll clear them out and refill it with february 1991 march awesome and yeah point of that is that i think we can all relate to like it's one thing to have a good idea and do something um, execution execution and then the ability to line it up to exist Absolutely. beyond that uh right. and Django, i think excels at doing that um to the point where i'll sometimes be like why can't we do this thing that we need to do he's like well we would need a system to upkeep it beforehand i'm like no we could just solve this problem once right now but then you're not creating an infrastructure for it to keep going. Right. So um, Django, you know, built that CSA infrastructure to be able to track those things down and then passing off to have it be upkept. I'm glad to even hear all that because we actually haven't talked about it. So I've walked past it the last like four days and been like, 
who's is someone are those okay i hope all right i'm sure it's happening Django's not here yeah yeah um <laughs> so so full disclosure it has not made us money it's lost us oh money i don't so think so far. yeah but, but i it's don't not... i don't expect it to make us money it's more of uh like highlighting these are the back issues you're here for old comics we have a ton of old comics is a cool thing that our store is doing and those have been talking about fantastic because it's a foot by a foot yeah i was just gonna say it's yeah. two square feet of, of floor space that you've lost yeah so, yeah, yeah that's, and that's and good. a little bit of time and and the cost of the spinner but you know i i i don't think that it's likely that we'll recoup the cost of the spinner in the first year uh directly but, from sales but i think that it's going to increase our sales in that uh category yeah and I just don't think you can put a price on the fact like owning a comic shop, you know, not every single decision is about making money like it, it should be. But you should also be getting to just have fun doing a thing in a place, right? Like having a comic shop is kind of like your own little space to have Wild West. And Django likes thinking about that era of comics, just like, you know, most of our employees have some place in the store where it's OK if it's increasing the the feeling of the culture of the store and the employees and the mm-hmm. like, you know, you don't have to sell a bunch of comics to make it worth it for people to be like, Oh, I remember that week. Right. Cause then you started a conversation that might spur a different comic that came out that month that maybe you see a lot of out, sideways like, money. Yeah. You guys keep on saying something that I think is really interesting that we're going to put a pin in and come back to in the future. But you've mentioned a couple times now, just now about empowering employees to make decisions and to own a piece of the shop. And I think that's a really, really important thing. Small business owners, especially, and I'm super guilty of this, become really, you know, possessive and and want to dictate everything. But yeah, some of your biggest successes are going to happen when you empower your employees to do stuff. Let's mm-hmm. table that for another day. But I think that's a really, really important thing for us to come back to uh, in the future and and talk about how that can transform things maybe even next week who knows we'll see i think we're going to be busy next week because we're in pittsburgh and we got a lot of folks to talk to but right now let's have a little bit of industry yammer see this is why jeff is the music guy and i'm just the obnoxious one but i kind of like the yam 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 it was good it was it was good um we are going to talk real quick about um, about the facsimiles. Facsimiles. And just like Jeff was talking about just now. Yeah. Like the, there's. So I've got some issues, Django. I've got some issues here. All right. All right. Um, these facsim- facsimiles things have been really, really interesting to see. Yeah. So uh, let's and... set up exactly what they are, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. What for, is it? For people what is who a facsimile well, it's, edition? It's basically uh, a very nearly accurate um, representation of an old comic the way that it was originally released. So you so get a Batman number one facsimile, you get the ads, you get, yeah. you know, everything from front to back is as if you're reading this 85-year-old comic. Um, the difference is the cover price is eight bucks instead of 10 cents. Oh my um, god! I just had a terrible thought just now. What's that? When solicitations go out, we should actually be finding those comics and buying up a bunch of URLs that are <laughs> of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they start doing slightly more modern ones, clearcell.com. Right? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's probably some um, URLs in there that we could own. Yeah. So normally uh, these are hard to find issues and they seem to basically like generally be coming out from the publishers kind of scattershot where we'll get a Batman one and then a Batman 76 or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, some appearance of the penguin is in, or, you know, yeah. it just kind of bounces all over the place. And lately we've seen at least two kind of longer runs of facsimiles. One was Batman year one. And then the other one was the dark Phoenix saga, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Or, or days of future past. Is that what it was? Yeah. So yeah it was days of future past Batman year one. Marvel superhero secret wars. Oh yeah. They've Did done they, a bunch of those three big ones. Secret, yeah. They, they're, they're doing secret, secret wars, wars serially. As I understand it. Nice. Nice. I could be mistaken though, but yeah, there, there's definitely a lot coming down the pipe, but yeah, it, previously days of future past. I don't necessarily remember if the Phoenix whole saga was in there, but please continue. Um, so from a data perspective, Brian and I have had some challenges. Yeah. So one of those key challenges is that there is no series code for a lot of these facsimiles. Now Marvel's facsimile editions are getting series codes, but where we are running into a problem is that, um, actually it's not a problem with Marvel's Marvel's actually doing their UPC codes, right? Uh, and Marvel, we have Geekfetch series codes for Secret Wars. But when I look up um, Batman Year One, each one of them had a final five UPC code. By the way, Django, someday we're going to do our full episode just on breaking down the UPC code. It's going to be so good. I can't wait. People so are going to love it. They're going to be so but, interested. So the final five digits in a UPC code represent um, the issue number, the cover, and the printing. And it goes mm -hmm. uh, issue, 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 uh, cover printing. With the Batman Year Ones, every one of them was 00111. So they were all a first issue. All number uh, and ones. And all technically separate series according to their the Correct. Yeah, right? the, the barcode, they burned through like four individual barcodes on these things. <laughs> and I wish in a perfect world batman facsimiles would all have the first 13 digits exactly the same so yeah. that we could actually subscribe somebody to a batman facsimile series please be super cool and we would have people subscribing to that stuff so quickly and in fact when we're in pittsburgh next week we are going to sit down with our dc friends and we're going to say hey you need to do this make this happen for us we will yeah. we will make you more money yeah, and I, I a, a little birdie told me that they've got some big plans for some longer running facsimiles um, in twenty twenty four. I think I don't think they. Oh yeah, and then the but... George Perez Wonder Woman. Oh, see, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, and they see, they, they've already movie. done yeah. the first couple issues of that, right? I know they've yeah. done the first, and then they did the War of the Gods, which, by the way, yeah. that was such a terrible series. The fact that they're facsimiling something that I'm ninety three percent sure you can find in the quarter bins. They're stumbling yeah. into this good idea, right? Yeah, like, you know, sure. like, I don't think they knew how viable it would be a year and a half ago. So it's taken them putting ones out to kind of guide the decision, I would think. For sure. Um, With uh, 
Batman 427, The Death of Jason Todd, where they kind of redid it. Um, mm-hmm. How did that do for you guys? Because that's the first facsimile that we've had that's actually a new issue, right? Yeah, it it was a pretty interesting one to come out, honestly. I thought they were going to do the four-issue miniseries of it. Yeah. Like, I thought that one was going to be a series. That issue came out. The cover was essentially the same with slightly different text. It had the one-page reprint that has been circulating for many years, like the one page mm-hmm. of Batman yeah. holding Jason. He's alive. And then it had one or two pages kind of after that in the hospital. So those one or two pages were new, as far as I know. Either way, sold out real quick. Um, By the way, spoilers, that's the death of Jason Todd. I'm sorry if anybody has been in a coma for the last 32 (laughs) years and didn't know he dies in that episode. Um, So, yeah, it's that was interesting. I think that Lunar and DC could have done more to indicate to us how it was going to be different at that point. I wasn't sure if it was going to be just this one page that, as far as I know, was only in the DC archives hardcover reprint. It was like $50, $60. Or if there was even more stuff. The fact that it was even more made it more sought out. Uh, I think they went to additional printings of it. But we definitely sold out. People asked about it. People came in and it came up in conversations with people who didn't know about it. And they immediately wanted to buy it. Um, So, yeah, really, that was an interesting one. And do you find that um, because they've done a lot of these foil covers on these and Marvel started, I think Marvel kicked off the whole foil cover with their debacle where they were making them net priced, but not indicating Mm -hmm. they were net priced and making retailers bad guys because they were paying six dollars for something that they now had to charge nine dollars for that had a cover price of five dollars. Thanks. Nine dollars is generous. It's so generous. Thanks for helping us. Um, (laughs) Has do you find that the foil covers sell better? Spoiler alert, in my house, every single facsimile edition that I've bought this year has been a foil cover version. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We sell one copy of all of them to somebody who prepays, pre-orders them. Really? Uh, we don't stock a ton of them on the shelf because the week that these foil things started coming out, Django was like, hey, these are not a good price for us. And we right. like, we should just order sub count. So we've been at sub count on those for the most part. It would be interesting to buy like Django. Well, yeah. So of multiple minds, I don't think the foil facsimiles would look as good or nostalgic in that spinner rack. I think part of it is it looking and feeling like those are those comics because people always look at it and like, no, this can't. Okay. It's a reprint, you know, like that. that thing. No, you, there's a foil version of Batman five twenty seven or four. Yeah. So (gasps) I can't, I can't speak to that. It would be interesting. I'll experiment with that and see, you know, we'd make an extra couple bucks off of it, but we accidentally listed them at the bad price originally, like the not increased price. So we didn't make any money on them. Yeah. and just to be clear, it's just the Marvel ones that have the weird pricing. The DC yeah, ones, DC's I think, are are regular discounts. Yeah. So if we wanted to play with uh, foils, DC would probably be the place to start. Yeah. So crazy question here. Do you, How do you think a facsimile of savage dragon would do or spawn you know one through 24 like is there is there an opportunity for other publishers to get into this whole facsimile game i, I mean image image kind of yeah, they does do, it they do first the first not totally a facsimile, yeah. but yeah they're kind of 
Yeah, I think that you have to be looking at like the right time frame, right? So image, what is one like spawn? I think there's an argument for spawn being able to do it. I think Savage Dragon doesn't have the same fan base so that I would be skeptical on that. In modern days, I think the best chance they would have would be Saga, but also that like image has shifted its brand focus in the last like 12 years to more of a trade paperback working model with mm-hmm. their like $10 mm-hmm. trade paperbacks and planning for the paperback and getting those out quickly in a timely fashion. So I, I even think people interact with those series in a slightly different way. It, it's not that same nostalgia type thing. I think spawn would be the exception. Um, I think Jim Lee's X-Men would be a really good run, but like, yeah, I, I, I think, after the 90s the only one that i could think of and jango and i talked about this would be ultimate spider-man from the 2000s yeah yeah i'll tell you Um, what i i bet you my son would subscribe to invincible if you started that up at number one Mm -hmm. and he doesn't like reading the omnibuses because they're so darn heavy but well i guess walking dead has been doing it yeah 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 Yeah. um so yeah i guess that that kind of leads into the whole would an x-men classic work in today's climate and from what you're saying, Django, it almost sounds like maybe there's some plans in the works for somebody, possibly. Question mark. It was it was DC that I was that I was talking to, and and it's nothing. It's nothing like X Men. It's a limited series that they were bouncing oh, okay. around. But X Men, um, I can see X Men doing it. Well, X Men Classic, like that was coming out at a time where trade paperbacks weren't really an established thing, True. and being yeah. able to yeah. collect them in a certain way you know, like volumes or series runs didn't exist. So it made a lot more sense back then. I think it could happen now, but I think the fact that these stores oftentimes, or publishers oftentimes keep these series alive in a paperback collection decreases the necessity for it. But if they put out X-Men number one, like not Jim Lee X-Men number one, if they put out X-Men number one as a facsimile and Mm -hmm. wrote it all the way until they started doing reprints, I think those would sell like gangbusters oh yeah and that's the one i just mentioned yeah a minute ago i think okay. Jim yeah. Lee's 90s x-men well i think absolutely i think dc so, could do back. like i think dc could do you know the kelly jones batman just kelly jones batman reprints uh kelly if they jones, did nightfall bad example yeah if they did yeah. nightfall as you know she won two, three, four, five x-men runs you know oh, like it's, it's yeah. so terrible <laughs> yeah sorry but i mean i've been been reading that yeah i've been reading that stuff lately and i'm just like whoa this is overwrought and not terribly good it's no it's a really interesting discussion as a whole though like and i think some people have looked at it as a negative omen right that they're selling so much of their facsimiles and not the new product i don't I don't view it that way. I just think that like nostalgia is one of the most powerful drugs in the world. And nostalgia, like comics are a nostalgia thing at their core for a lot of people. So like it yeah. makes a lot of sense. Well, and I mean, I love trades. Like if you look behind me, there's a ton of omnibi and absolutes and all that stuff. But at the same time, there's something to be said for the monthly reading experience. The the like mm-hmm. you know, Invincible is one of the perf- most perfect things that I feel like you lose in the compendium because at the end of the page, at the end of the last page, you're like, Oh, what? Like, yeah, every month yeah. with that book. And it Kirkman reads so well, just yeah. across the board. Oh, I think, absolutely. yeah. Like to your point, that monthly reading experience is so unique. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You can't really replicate it many places. So I agree. I think Kirkman's books almost across the board made that a perfect 
yeah, good good point. I think Invincible would work well as a reprint of it. Um, but like the Walking Dead reprints, you know, that was one of the hugest series for years. Yeah. And now we sell like a locked in five copies of these reprints. Like people yeah. don't really care. I feel it, like it fell off so bad though. And it, yeah. it wasn't long enough since it was originally published to have that same nostalgia pull that Absolutely. even a Jim Lee X-Men would. Well, Absolutely. and I think they also kind of came in too late, right? They were, they were, they really, we sold a ton of those compendiums in the beginning when walking dead was on TV. If you would have released these things, like, you know, the problem is the walking dead was going on mm-hmm. while the TV show was going on. But if you could have released number one of a deluxe walking dead, when that TV show hit, Oh, Mm-hmm. you would have sold that all day long yeah for the first like two seasons of the show but i also think i think about this particular ip is that it more than just about any pop culture thing hit a saturation point and overexposure point and we were like mm-hmm. waist deep in a backlash of the walking yeah. dead at the time that this comic series was ending and like the show just dribbled yeah. down yeah but i think that was like that was six or seven seasons in so you still got a yeah. good six, oh, yeah. seven yeah you would have had a couple years yeah. worked together yeah but so since this is a, gonna... a oh, yeah go well since go, it's go. a data podcast right mm-hmm. i think the call to action to publishers is to start treating these like series and make a commitment to do x number of yes, issues please. so that we can yes, communicate please. that to our customers um say hey even if it's just they're reprinting this series yeah. for this long yeah even even with batman year one and yeah if I had my way, I would say put year one out once a month. Don't dump them out once a yep. week. Right. Give us a series that we can subscribe people to that come out once a month and make it a party instead of uh, just a dump. Yeah. Um, I'll even go one higher that if you're going to do Batman, give it a consistent series code and always run Batman facsimiles through that series code. And I, by that, I mean UPC code. Give it a consistent UPC code. Stop burning your UPC codes for one thing. And, you know, Batman 427 is going to be the Batman UPC code with 427. You do Batman 73 next month, still still the same 13 digits with a 073. As I'm saying this, I realize I'm going to have to rewrite my entire system to be able yeah. to handle it. The faces you guys are you. you. Yeah. That's not yeah, what, I'm, I'm what I think we can idea. all agree on is the one that needs to get made is Legends of the Dark Knight needs to come out monthly as facsimile 100%. 100%. I feel like Legends of the Dark Knight returns. Oh, no. Um, Well, should we... Uh, sponsor yeah let's hear have you guys have you guys been listening to what's going on with murphy's i'm really concerned there's i'm glad that their marriage is still held up though it seemed like that was the thing that i thought was going to crumble under the weight of all those apple cores i just i hope that because because this podcast is very expensive to produce and Mm -hmm. you know requires a, a big time commitment from all of us and if we weren't getting those six figure salaries every year from our murphy's sponsorship i don't think we could afford to do it so you guys are on salary that's fine i'm just glad that uh, brian bob has your email address and doesn't even know that i exist some of the emails do you get emails from bob jeff hopefully not i don't hear from bob i hear from alan you guys didn't hear that you didn't get the one that said run this immediately exclamation point exclamation point all right uh let's let's hear from bob and we'll be right back after uh, this important announcement it's bob here play my dang music 
Now listen, you know me, you know Murphy's. We don't do no coupons. We won't be honoring no discounts on no fancy pants website that Carrie's been building. We ain't advertising on no podcasts and any advertisements you hear about Murphy's Apple Juice are not condoned by me, Bob Murphy, president of Murphy's Apple Juice. Bob out. You know what? We're we're back and we were talking about series codes and various facsimile things. And you know one way that we could solve for some of those, Django? By staring into the sky at the comets. Don't stare at the sun. <laughs> right. But I'm staring at the, the sky. Oh, the sky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, comet. Yeah. The, the comics industry metadata standard. Standard that yeah. we've been it's working on with Comics Pro. Right. Uh, it, it's it's like a long acronym, comic mm. metadata, comet. Comet. Yeah, so I think mm. what do they call that? It's a portmanteau, I believe. Mm. Or is that a portage? Oh, yeah. Is that the thing you do with the my boat, favorite thing member of the original or the Star Wars reshoots? Natalie Portmanteau. Natalie Portmanteau. Portmanteau. So um Comet is the comics industry uh metadata solution that we've been working with comics pro on it's it's a comics pro initiative they announced it last year in pittsburgh february 2023 uh katie pride i believe you and i were on stage with jess with and Stu and jess Stu, yeah from penguin random um, house yeah so Stu yeah comic hub yep so we spent the last we should get Stu on an episode 11 we months should. yeah we should get Stu. we'll talk yeah. to Stu next week in pittsburgh solidly 11 months so yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of work. We worked with over a dozen different distributors, publishers, retailers, software developers, hangers-on, and passers-by. I don't know if they, either <laughs> one of those last two things are true. <laughs> some, some days it, it felt like, who are all you people again? Um, yeah, yeah and, and just built a standard, which has 108 individual fields. It 127 has, page manual, a hundred and uh, seven and 19 page white paper, which neither one of us really understood what a white paper was before we started this. I know, know kind of what they look like now. Yeah. And it's going to get launched next week in Pittsburgh. This is so yeah, exciting. Very exciting. And uh, hopefully next week we'll have uh, an episode that's got some, some people who worked on it. Yeah, so this this data broification, we didn't even do the data broification broification. Yeah, they'll this, figure it out. This is really a tease for next week's episode. We are going to try and get a couple members of the board um, from Comics Pro who've helped us build this standard um, to to talk with us, and uh, I think that'll be really exciting. I think I think um, Django. So we'll be in Pittsburgh. Yes. I what? Yeah, I'll, I'll be on that podcast. Yeah. I'll let, I'll, you, I'll let you interview me. I would I would hope so. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, it's going to be announced. I think I think the current plan is to announce it on February 23rd, which is the Friday. I think that we're supposed to have a uh, a slot there, but I could be wrong. It might be Thursday. I I don't exactly yeah, remember. One of those days at Comics um, Pro. 
Yeah, and and it, I know it's a big focus. It's like this is Comics Pro's kind of big initiative for. 2023 2024 and beyond um and it's so exciting like yeah it's been so exciting to work with a bunch of smart people to do a bunch of really interesting things it was so cool to hear marvel and dc like agree that things needed to be the way that we were moving towards like it was yeah it was so much fun yeah yeah it'll be fun to fun to talk about it with uh our fellow comet members next week hopefully yeah but in the meantime and in between times we are going to keep oh, no, this no, one to no. a- that's that's I- your oh yeah yeah sorry, sorry that's your other podcast i get that from Tight 30 from, that that comes from wrestling though that's uh that's billy red lions used to say that on maple leaf wrestling in uh, toronto ontario he said you say in the meantime and in between times stay hungry keep watching friends, the sky he said mm. um all right well yeah <laughs> Until the next episode, we are going to keep this one to a tight 30. And uh, I think this may be the first one we've actually hit our 30 minutes on. I'm Brian Garside. I can be found at Manage Comics on most platforms. I run Manage Comics. You fellas run your own little system. Little Comic system. shop assistant. <laughs> this is sure do. It's, Eddie, I mean. it's, a, it's a cute little You're thing. Such a jerk. <laughs> 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 we run comic shop assistant we also run the comics place in bellingham washington uh you can find me just searching django um but then put the minus sign quentin tarantino and then you'll get pretty good results <laughs> if you haven't listened to our other joint perfectly comics place presents perfectly acceptable podcast give that Such a, a good a, podcast. a search in any of your podcast apps perfectly acceptable podcast where we talk about all the comics that come out each week you can hear brian on there often too Hey, um, we can, also want to hear from you yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. If you send us an email at podcast at databrosinc.com, you'll be featured on this podcast just like somebody who was featured very recently. Uh, and Chad. Something to say. Well, Chad. Probably of course, Chad. 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 Yes. And uh, you can find me by Googling Jeffrey Figley, although don't. Because there's a lot of unfortunate stuff. That's fine. Best idea. yet, just at Jeff hyphen Figley on Venmo will get you right to me. Do that, Perfect. and Jeff will pay for some beers next week for us when we're in Pittsburgh. Yeah, maybe maybe that can pay for your ticket to go see Tenant in Pittsburgh. Oh, right. Oh. I'm a Regal Unlimited oh. member, Brian, so oh. I'll have to pay whatever upcharge, <laughs> I, but I'll be fine. I don't know what that means. I'm <laughs> oh. Canadian, and we don't have a Regal here. Ooh. So, yeah. That's that's fine. That's well, we'll see you all next week at Comics Pro. Can't wait to hang out with you all there. All of our listeners will be there as well, I assume. Yeah, absolutely. And if you see us, you know, Probably don't don't be shy. Come up and and visit us. We're you know, I mean, we are superstars and we have huge egos, but we're mostly kind, and we'll we'll probably sign your T-shirts. I uh, <laughs> I was gonna say. Oh, you can't. You're something. not signing T-shirts anymore. Oh, no, I don't remember. All right, cool. Well, whatever. (laughs) All right, that's going to do it. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. The Data Bros is a joint project from the teams behind Comic Shop Assistant and Manage Comics. Data Bros are Django Boren, Jeff Figley, and Brian Garside. Brian Garside produces and edits the episode. And you'll find more about the Data Bros online at databrosinc.com. 
Subscribe, like, and review the Data Bros on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.